Good morning. This is Coffee with the Sarlos, and I'm Karen. Hi, I'm Kelly. Uh, our show today is about hitting the pause button. And Kelly, you're going to begin because you inspired the show with what happened last night sitting in the living room together. And all I'm going to do is preface it and set you up. Sure. By saying that we were just sitting down having a coffee together. Uh, when your cell phone went off, you looked down at your cell phone you saw that it was a certain person, and that's when you can explain your story. And you said, Mom, do you mind if I excuse myself? I need to take this call. Is that okay to interrupt our coffee time? It is work-related. And I said, yes. Yeah, actually, that was a nice setup because it's, it's introducing the first pause, um, which you could look at from different angles. That was us putting a pause in our business meeting. Uh, that was us putting a pause in our coffee time together. Uh, and identifying that my needs changed. Um, so we'll kind of attack the pause uh, in, in many different ways throughout the show. But what occurred is um, we've already gone through February's Sips of Sanity, and I recently just talked about everything I offer to clients in terms of life coaching. Um, so this touches on a couple of those episodes. But what happened was a specific university student that I'm, I've been coaching for about a year and a half now um, the university students have special access to me because of the heightened state of anxiety when they're going through university and college. Uh, so they are free to text me uh, when they're having their meltdowns or when they need a little bit of encouragement or just check-ins. And so the text that came in during our coffee slash business meeting happened to be one of those, uh, those students. So she had sent me an email earlier in the day, just kind of outlining where she was at, that she was really having a hard time. And she said, I just needed to share everything with someone. So there was no call to action in the email asking me to do anything, asking me to respond. So I thought, okay, I'm going to put that on the back burner. I didn't actually have time when I read it to respond um, thoughtfully enough um, and really give it the time that it, it deserved. So I thought I'll address it this evening when I, when I have a moment. Well, before I had the chance to do that, um, the text came in saying, can I call you fast? And knowing her personality, that's not something she would request. She hates to inconvenience people. Um, so that was obviously uh, an urgency that uh, because she doesn't cry wolf, I knew I knew was sincere. Oh, couldn't we pause that? People need to hear that there's a value to not crying wolf and creating drama. Yeah. And then expecting everyone to jump to to their drama every time. And when they when maybe a spouse or a co-worker or a sister doesn't jump anymore, it doesn't mean that they don't love you or they're withholding. They're just recognizing a pattern. Yeah, and that's and you know, she's she's dealing with specific um people pleasing issues. And like I said, she doesn't like to inconvenience anyone. So I know when she's asking something of me, it has taken a lot out of her. Um, and has taken a lot of strength within her to work up the courage to ask for what she needs. So that's um, also part of the life coaching that yes. she's moving through. Yep. And we've been working on that for over a year and a half. So I was super proud of her in that moment. Um, so I picked up the phone and I called her right away. I put myself in a room, I think it's important to note, uh, that was quiet and uninterrupted uh, so that she could have the time and the, the um, undivided attention that she deserved. So I just said to her, where are you, first of all? And she said, I drove myself to a parking lot away from the university um, so that I could be in space, 
She needed a different space than her home or the campus and things like that. Um, she had turned the car off. I just asked her if she was safe, and she said yes. And then I just proceeded to ask her a couple questions. I said, um, what, are, what are you feeling? Like, what prompted the phone call? And she just said, I can't breathe. My chest just feels like it's being crushed, which to me and to anyone who knows anxiety, you know this is an anxiety slash panic attack. Um, so I just said to her, you know, what are you feeling in your body? So she explained the symptoms in, in the chest and in the lungs, and then she explained how um, she was getting shaky, which is a, a symptom of, of those, those attacks. Um, so we just kind of scanned the body so she could be aware of what she was feeling in the height of her anxiety, uh, where she felt most necessary to reach out to someone. And that's important later on. So I proceeded to ask her some questions about why she chose the parking lot. And she said, well, I remember in our coaching sessions that you told me to drive by water because I told you I loved water. So she had taken a route to this, you know, dead end parking lot because it took her by water. It's something that feeds her soul. It's something that makes her feel calm. And I said, you know, was there music? No, I had silence. She has identified that at times she needs music to feel good and at times she needs silence to hear her own thoughts. So I said, good for you. Um, and then as we proceeded to talk, she was just saying how she was feeling crushed with all this anxiety, crushed with this feeling of not being able to ever um, uh, kind of get past the anxiety, that it's always there. She said that she had thought about checking herself into the hospital that day because she could recognize that her thoughts were leading her somewhere that were potentially going to cause herself harm. Um, and I asked her in that moment if she could take a moment to breathe because I wanted to say something to her and she gave me that permission. So I said to her, it sounds like you had a really shitty external day, but I want to congratulate you on the tremendous amount of internal work that you did today. So I recapped that she, in the height of her anxiety, had remembered water, had remembered silence, had remembered her drive, because that gets her in a different space. Um, so she had implemented three self-love activities, even though it's extremely hard to remember what helps us when we're anxious. So that was one thing. Then I congratulated her for being so self-aware that she could articulate where she was feeling the anxiety in her body. That's, that's a physical and mental um, joining, right? So being, being um, consistent or noticing congruencies. Then on top of that, having the self-awareness that she needed help and may need to go to the hospital and was willing to take that next step. And she was just evaluating whether or not she was there yet. She did tremendous internal work that day and I was so so proud as a life coach uh, and just as a woman in general to be happy for another person that they that they could come to their own aid in all of those kinds of ways so then if we're getting to the big pause which you could argue those were all the big pauses um, I just said to her I'm going to ask you a question and I just want you to think you don't have to answer me I said if I say the words drop out to you how do you feel and she said well it initially causes me anxiety but then I feel tremendous relief and that's when our conversation turned into it's okay to put a pause in your education it's okay to say I'm not ready it's okay to say I'm overwhelmed 
universities and colleges aren't going anywhere. Your education isn't going anywhere. You still have credits. You can continue them in 30 years from now. So what we had to step away from at that point uh, and what came to another question was, how do you define success and failure? Because if she truly believed that success was speaking up for her own needs and meeting them, then she could be comforted at the fact that she was making a good decision to drop out and recognize that school had been the source of her anxiety. And I'm not sharing the whole backstory because that's that you know it's a year and a half worth of worth of sessions. But if she could understand that failure was not about walking away, um, that was not about quitting something, that that was actually those were good choices in her life. Putting pause in an education was something that was actually ultimately going to feed her soul and that she could come home. We started talking about options. I said, you know, I, if I know your parents, which I had gotten to know over the, the last year and a half, um, they were very supportive of decisions for her. And I said, if you called your mom tonight and said, I want to move home, she'd be in the car coming to pick you up in the next 20 minutes. I said, so what is it that you're afraid of? And it really was about the way she defined success and failure. And and that's an interesting case because not as many people have the amount of support that she does. So she was actually in a better position than a lot of people where she could make a healthy decision and be supported and not have to get around other um, things that feel insurmountable. Mm-hmm. So pause. You pointed out so many of them. Yeah. And so many values to taking them. Uh, and one of them being... Self awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them being self control. Yeah. Um, power, taking back your own power, um, giving yourself the ability to either see your own choices or to speak to someone else who can help you see your own choices. Yeah. Because sometimes we don't see our own, mm-hmm. or we're so committed to the goal. We might be so committed to the, to the, um, to the diploma that we don't understand a pause is permitted in between. We might be so committed to the wedding rings that we're, we're, we're not committed to the pauses in, in between in that relationship that that might need. Mm-hmm. And somebody might say, well, hold up, I get it in an education, but what do you mean in a marriage? Well, sometimes in marriages, well, no, not sometimes. Every marriage has to have its pauses if it's going to be healthy. Yeah, and we can dive into that in a moment. I wanted to stay with um, the student for a little bit longer, yeah. if that's okay. Oh, for sure. For some reason. Oh, but but you can't remember it. No, I'm taking a <laughs> pause to collect my thoughts. Yeah. Right. Well, and I, I like that because, oh, again, that's one of the good reasons why we take pauses. Yeah, I remember laughing so hard at a video that we saw about a man in the middle of a tornado and the audio said, shut up and let me gather myself. He was trying to collect his thoughts. And that's what I was just going to say, because yeah. you have to collect your, what you were just trying to illustrate in a funny way. It was very apropos, was that we have to collect our own thoughts. We have to know what we think and what we believe and what we want, mm-hmm. instead of just listening to, and as you pointed out in this case of this person, that if we've been raised to be people, a people pleaser, they in particular need their pauses. As much as the bully needs their pauses to see why they need or feel the need to bully to get their way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I took that opportunity and asked her if she was okay just listening. 
And she said yes. So I was still checking in with her needs because some people in their anxiety can't listen at all. Yeah. Uh, and then that's a separate issue. And that's not a bad thing. That's just a reality. Um, so I took that opportunity to remind her that I dropped out of university mm. twice, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one Once for one week. <laughs> Just long enough to drop all my courses and have to re-register before school started. Mm-hmm. And then again in third year, I dropped out for um, two semesters and finally decided to go back. So that that was my pause. And I, I shared that with her again so that she could understand someone that she looked at and saw as a success who was in her own profession now, in a situation to be counseling others, she could sit there and go, holy shit, people take pauses. Kelly, some people take pauses not by choice. They Absolutely. Can, they can also take a pause because a car accident puts them into a hospital. A parent gets sick and they need to work to to pay for for everyone to live. Yes, and I think sometimes when we have to take those pauses that are, I'll say somewhat enforced on us to all different degrees because... They can to different degrees. You might be able to have to, or have to stay home and take a parent, but you might be able to renegotiate with the university in this case, because we're talking about students mm-hmm. to take the course online or, but that again requires finding out more information. And that's why I wanted, yeah. part of why I wanted to do the show. Sometimes we need more information. Mm-hmm. So we might be sitting at a, in a school situation discovering that the the more information we need is I need a tutor or I need more time to finish something. Well, and this was this was part of the question period, uh, which maybe I should have shared, where I said to her, sorry, she volunteered and said, I really love school. I really love my program. And I said, if that's true, if you really do love what you're studying and you really do love the school that you've chosen and the environment, then you know it's just about maybe not being ready. Mm-hmm. And that it's not school itself that's causing you depression. It's the entire set of demands that come with school that is just a little bit too overwhelming. And if no one has said to her, did you know that you're allowed to take a reduced course load and that three courses is okay instead of taking six? She might think, well, I don't have to leave. I don't have to drop out. I just need to drop a few classes or postpone them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many options and guidance counselors don't tell you this when you, I mean, she's straight out of high school. She has no idea. We're just told you have to take five or six depending on your program and it's, you just accept it. Um, so in that pause, she got to hear options. She got to start brainstorming for herself. Um, and she got to reevaluate her needs. And so at the end of the conversation, I said, how are you feeling? And she goes, I can breathe now. Mm. And he said, and how's your chest? And she said, it's, it's, it's moving in the, like, um, <laughs> at an even pace. And he said, and how's your stomach? Because we checked in with the, po- the body parts that she had identified at the beginning as mm-hmm. not feeling good. Right. Um, so there, there again, we reevaluated how the conversation helped, if it did. Because sometimes, you know, we pick the wrong people and the conversation doesn't help at all. Oh, oh pause there. Uh-huh. Pause there. No, we're just going to slow you down for a second. Because that, that's critical. Mm-hmm. Because if you go to the wrong person at that time, and they or the wrong group of people, so it could be a group of friends, they can have such a tremendous influence that the outcome can be not congruent with what your best needs are. Right. So somebody, so if you go 
to say one particular parent or friend and their belief is you have to get your education and you have to get it now and there's no such thing as a pause or you already are a failure. Don't come home. You can't come home. You can't do go to work. This isn't going to work. You have bills, blah, blah, blah. Um, you can be forced into a corner without more information. Mm -hmm. So going to different people sometimes, and that can be the professionals at the school, like you said, the guidance counselors or mm -hmm. a, a good teacher or, or a good friend that has already been through it. Um, the person, your person, you and I have talked about that in many shows, picking your person has to be the right one. Yeah. And you'll know they're the wrong one if you still feel the same level or more of the anxiety and still feel the same symptoms or, or increased, confusion. In increased symptoms. And yeah. confusion, obviously, is one of your symptoms. Yes. Okay. So um, it was a wonderful conversation. Mm -hmm. It was easy to have um, because she had implemented so many tools and knew how to listen, right? So we had been through enough sessions together at this point where she knew I was going to ask her questions. She right. knew when she picked me to be her person in that yeah. moment because she could have picked, you know, an, a 19-year-old friend, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, but she called me knowing that she was going to be questioned, that she would have time to think of her answers, that I wasn't going to be rushed. Um, so I, I'm so, so proud. And then if that wasn't enough to see a young woman I'll say step into her power in the midst of all this, you know, craziness. I got a text from her mom this morning saying thank you with two hearts. You know? Oh, yeah, because it took the burden off of, of, mom. of a mom or a dad or a family member, perhaps, where they need that external support system um, to be there for their own child, including them, not not always replacing them, but including them. So you're talking about extending the team of support. Yes. And I think, um, and I don't know how many people will go to this extent in understanding what we just talked about. Mm -hmm. um, but when, when that mother thanked me, whatever her daughter decides to, you know, phone home and say, mom, this is what decision I've come to. She knows she's not dealing with an irrational 19 year old in the height of her anxiety. She's dealing with a young woman who has sought help, who has been advised or coached from a third party who just wants the best for her anxiety and her, her mental state at this point. Mm -hmm. So if she calls and says, mom, I need help moving home. She knows her daughter has gone through a process to come to that decision mm -hmm. instead of a reaction um, to, to something uncomfortable. To a, or perhaps to just the panic attack itself. Yeah. Because if there, and as we're talking about, if there are no skills or tools in the toolbox to actually get through a panic attack, mm -hmm. then decisions are not always the ones we want to live with long term. Yeah. And, and one of the things I said to, to the young woman was, you do not have to push through this pain. Mm -hmm. You can take a pause. You can come home for a semester or five years. You can work part-time, you can work on healing yourself and go back and unpause school at any time, but you don't have to push through this kind of pain. Mm -hmm. And in hearing that, in, in being given permission by an adult who I'll say understands life a little bit more at this point than she might have had, right, the, with experience, um, 
she texted me today and said, I feel like I can get through school today. Oh, so if she says to mom, I choose to stay, then we know it's not about pushing through. We know it's not about proving something. People pleasing. It's okay. If I do have another meltdown, I know how to handle myself. Mm -hmm. It's not, we don't live in fear now of, I I have to leave because what if I have another panic attack? Well, that now we know we can get through it. Mm -hmm. Kelly, one of the things I know to be true is that if you ask those questions, we called, we did a show on this in Sips of Sanity called called Check-Ins Under Emotional Intelligence. If we are asked the proper questions, the key questions that are the game changers, then that empowers us to sit in that power to make the right decisions. Mm -hmm. So the questions themselves, the check-in, the way you did all of that physically and emotionally, um, put her in a place now that if she's having that panic attack and say it's in an exam um, or in a place where she can't reach out to you, she still knows those questions in her head. And this is where it becomes important that they become part of our subconscious and I've drilled them into her head that is what coaching does right and like we talked about in in the sips of sanity some people have a rolodex of literal cue cards of questions Mm -hmm. um so hopefully it eventually becomes subconscious Mm -hmm. and you roll through them so quickly and you get to whatever healthy decision you need okay that's that's perfect thank you so do we want to move to a different example of pause? I do. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, and I know at the end of the podcast, we're going to instruct people that they can always email, uh, email us mm-hmm. so that if they want to add more or ask questions about the student one in particular, that they can go back to that, jot them down and send them off to us. Um, but I also wanted to, to talk about hitting a pause in a career yeah. Um, and, and it just happened to me this morning where someone told me that they would no longer be in their career. So and it affects me. It was a personal uh, situation where I was seeking a service and the person has decided to leave the career. Um, and I said to her how happy I was for her because it meant that she was taking care of herself and meeting her own needs. And she said, I don't know what I'm doing. And I said, that's even better. And I said, because it just puts you at, a, at a, a, a blank screen to be able to start thinking about, well, who am I? And what other aspects of myself do exist out there? Mm-hmm. And while well, some people that could scare the shit out of. So if you're, if you're sitting down and you've gone to school and you're an accountant or you're, you're a lawyer or you're a doctor and you've spent eight years in university, this much money, and now you're in this career and you've invested five years or whatever it is. Um, sometimes we don't hit the pause button to reflect if we're still enjoying it, if we're still committed, if we're still, if we're still in an alignment and our goals are still meaning that this career that we're currently in, is it still in alignment with my goals? I would like to pause and just say that everyone is scared shitless when that happens. Oh, yeah. you, you said some people and it's important to know that everyone is scared shitless. Some of us just handle it what what is perceived to be a little bit better on the exterior. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of us are excited by, by scared. 
uh, and it fuels us or it drives us to make decisions faster than mm-hmm. others. But that doesn't mean we're less scared. There's oh, still yeah. the same amount of risk for anyone. Yeah, even if you already know where you're going to when you hit that pause button to change direction. But I'm also referring to when we hit the pause button because we just don't even know what direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and how important that is because when we don't know, we don't know what course, we don't know if we're in the right school or if we're in the right job. It means that we have to sit down and, and reevaluate what, we've, what, what we're valuing. Yeah. And if it's actually in alignment now with actually how I'm living my life. And this comes down to the diet. So just on a little segue, uh, that is this about the orange chocolate I ate this morning before 10? <laughs> is this your way of telling me? <laughs> no. But if the goal is to lose 10 pounds, yeah. and the all the tiny small thing decisions we make in the day are not in mm-hmm. alignment with that, then can we hit a pause and just reevaluate in that moment? And I remember learning to do this oh, long, many years ago now, where I, I can't remember where I heard it, but it was like to have a check-in. Like at So if you get up at 7 in the morning, my check-in was like maybe around 10, 10, 15. And if I had already had a chocolate, <laughs> but the goal was to lose 10 pounds, then I would think to myself, okay, that wasn't in alignment with the goal, but I can get back on now. And no dessert tonight. Because if I'm if I'm not going to bed till ten o'clock tonight, I still have twelve hours to eat well. To eat well. Yes. And then if I didn't again at lunch, I could reassess, hit my pause button, and think, okay, I now have X number of hours, mm-hmm. ten hours left to go back on. But if I and I noticed over the days that as I kept doing the check-ins and taking my pauses that I really did get back on track because I gave myself the opportunities and I was setting a new awareness around my behavior. Well, the way you think about your behavior, mm-hmm. right? Because that's that's most important. And I think the bigger check-in that we're talking about or that you're talking about is if I'm consistently having to say to myself, well, I might not have done well this morning, but I can still do well this afternoon and this evening. If that's persisting, with, with that attitude of, well, I always have this much time left, then the bigger evaluation is, A, whether or not what you're telling yourself you desire is true. Do you actually right. want to lose 10 pounds? Mm-hmm. And then if it really is your desire, why are the self-defeating behaviors persisting? And is this actually you believing that you don't deserve what you desire? Sabotage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And pause. Right. And, and that's why I wanted to do the show with you, because it can bring people, they need a process. We always need some sort of a process as to if what I think I want and what I, my reality is don't match, then where do my pauses need to come in so that I can look at what I believe? And I, Kelly, there's, it's no fluke that, you know, I, I'm, I asked you to do this show right around what's happening right now. Jan- the end of January 2017 with Donald Trump mm-hmm. being in power. And what do we do if we need to ask or we need in government for them to take a pause? 
They should probably be taking more than a pause. Well, yes, <laughs> but I just, the whole idea of sitting down and taking a pause. And it's all always a whole lot easier if you're a Canadian taking a pause and looking at it for uh, towards the Americans um, than it is maybe if you're an American. Now, mind you, some of them might say, no, it's, it's, it's clear. Um, but what can a pause do to reassess? And I know businesses and business owners know the value of taking a pause. Constantly. A CEO has to know the value of the pause at the group meeting. Every, every single day. What worked, what the, didn't. Yeah, the coach, the captain, <clears throat> the floor manager. There are key people who have to know the value of the pause. But we have to take that pause, not just in those situations, but into the school systems. We have to take those into the play yard when, the, when there's someone's being bullied. We have to know how to initiate a pause and to follow through to the very end, to the reassessment when the pause is over. Good. So let's go into the pause of a relationship. Okay. I meant you go into the pause of a relationship. <laughs> well, be, cl- be we'll clear about what you're saying. <laughs> well, I think the pause in the... Re- First of all, let's clarify that we... a couple. Okay, that's what... Okay. Pardon me. Yeah, let's just do couples, yep. whatever combination that can be. How important the pause is. And one of the things that comes to mind immediately is how important those pauses are so that each of you can sit back and evaluate your intention. And the if you have any integrity, so I'll say intention and integrity. Yeah, um, the pause to ask yourself the question, am I happy? You know, I'm hearing what you're saying, and I do agree. But prior to that, I think about the pause to ask yourself and and be honest, is am I happy? And if I go back to the student example, what am I feeling in my body? Am I anxious about coming home? Do I avoid coming home at the end of the day? Do I go to bed at a different hour because I don't want to see my partner or I want to avoid a conversation? All kinds of different behaviors need to be evaluated. But the question of am I happy? What do I look forward to in a day? What do I avoid in a day? What causes me stress in my thoughts or my body? That's an important part of the pause, probably first, because then you're sitting down with the partner to evaluate things together. Well, didn't you make just a beautiful point there that in that pause, when that person is taking their time to think, am I happy? How about the partner looking across and noticing if their partner is actually happy? Absolutely. And wondering if they are, or not just wondering, but assessing if they are looking for every opportunity not to come home. If they are overworking and over-socializing or over-athletics or anything, if they are keeping themselves so busy that they don't want to be in the home or in the couple, that says a lot right there. And I'll say a lot of people will be at home, but they avoid each other in the house. Yes, they can both be sitting in front of the same TV, Mm -hmm. or they can be one on a TV, one on a computer or video games. Um, or one taking care of kids and one doing whatever. Um, but the whole the whole thing of being able to observe your partner to accept it as a fact. 
Yeah. Because if you don't accept their happiness or lack of, then you may ask the wrong questions. Yes. You may say, do you love me? And if they say yes, then you have to throw out all of your observations that they're not happy. Or your self-observations. Yes, I love you, but well, shit, I'm still not happy in the relationship though. Mm-hmm. Right? And I and I go back to, if you're asking the question and all of the, the subcategory questions of am I happy, then you have to go to step two that you mentioned of then what is my intention? Right. Because if my answer is I'm not happy, what is my intention in staying? Why do I come home at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. Why do I get up and not say anything every morning? Why do I continue the same cycles? What am I afraid to lose by admitting I'm not happy? Oh, Kelly, what am I afraid to lose? I remember one day talking or walking into Tim Hortons with your dad. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying to him, you know, Steve, it's a funny thing. I see platters in front of people. And he goes, what? What do you mean? What does that mean? I said, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like I see when people are sitting at a coffee table and they're both having a cup of coffee, it's a couple, and it's like in front of them is this silver platter. And he goes, well, what what would be on the platters? What are you getting at? And I said, well, like on her platter, she's staying in the relationship for the kids. She's staying for the hot tub. She's staying because there, there's a mortgage that she can't afford without him. She's staying because they, they, they're paying into retirement and she wants to go to Florida. So she's staying for the, for the retirement at 55. Mm-hmm. She's 30, but she, she's staying for the 25 years because this is what she's going to get. And he's staying because she takes care of the kids. He doesn't want to do that. He wants to be able to play sports. He wants to be able to do what he wants. He wants to be able to stay at work. And she's going to manage the rest of life for him so he can get those things. Mm-hmm. And he goes, that's what you see when you walk in Tim Hortons? And yeah. I said, yes, that is exactly what I see. Everyone's going to see us walk into Tim's and they're all going to cover their tables. <laughs> Shit. I just don't know how to else... like. I, I know that's part of these gifts. I yeah. know that's part of being psychic and, and being connected to the spirit world. But it's what I see when I walk into my friends' houses. Status. It's what I see. Yes. It's what I see all the time. But I also had to hit the pause button and know what it was for me. Good. Not just point a, f- a finger that I had to walk around or I walk around and see it in Tim Hortons and everywhere else, my friends' houses, my family's houses. I had to see it in my own. So if somebody thinks, well, how, like, that's a big judgment. Well, no, does that's she ever... an observation. That's right. Thank you. That's what I was going to and say. And it's the observations that hopefully you yourself are making. We're just saying that with our gifts, we're, we have the ability to see everyone else's. That's what I'm saying. Thank you. And that's, that's where in our consent process, we say to people, we hear thoughts we're telling you because you need to feel comfortable being in a room with us. At no point are we judging you or at no point are we in there for entertainment. That's correct. It's compassion. It, it's compassion and love. And, and for some people, it's honesty. Yeah, it's truth. It's in your face where you can't beat around the bush. You can't be in denial anymore. The, it, and that's the beauty of it is that then you get to actually sit down. It's not therapy. It's not talking it out and trying to figure it out. That has its own purpose to bring enlightenment. Ours is done straight to the point. It can often be done in the first five minutes of the session. 
where that level of honesty is brought to someone's attention. So when the when the, we are pushing the pause button for them. Yeah. And sometimes we need help. People need help hitting their own pause button. Because the fear of what we can lose is so great that we can't do it or don't want to. Mm-hmm. And that's where as you and I both experience where people will come in and sometimes the question in a session is, does my spouse, does my partner love me? They say it, they're there every day, but it goes back to what you said, they don't feel it. Right. And But because the partners say differently, there's a crazy making component because that doesn't jive. No, there's incongruency. And I think if we're talking about the pause in a relationship, I'm going to go right back to the student because both things apply. Mm-hmm. It's the perception of success and failure. Yes. So if I'm afraid to lose the marriage because it means status, I think of Ross Geller. I don't want to be divorced for the third time. He didn't even tell Rachel they were still married. Right. Spoiler alert. Sorry, I should have said that first. Um, but he didn't want to be divorced three times right that yeah. was his fear mm-hmm. of, of losing and that's society saying that you're supposed to marry once well and you're a failure if you have to marry twice and people still say shit statements oh yeah like oh god she can't he she can't well, keep the man third woman. wife yeah he's on the third he's on the fourth he's this he's that and there's something got to be wrong with him instead and and those are such damaging gossipy, demeaning, little petty statements. And I want to go back to my example, because Mm -hmm. when, and it's done in a comedic way, obviously, Friends was a sitcom. Uh, But, you know, Rachel was freaking out at him saying, how could you not tell me we're still married? How could you do this? And his his only excuse was, I didn't want to be divorced for the third time. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to be a failure. Shame. And Chandler, of course, in a very uh, comedic way said, at what point did you think this was a success? Yeah. And I think we we define failure in one way right. and success in one way. Mm-hmm. And they often don't match each other. Yeah. Well, a divorce is a success. Absolutely. <laughs> I And I think you did this in one of your sessions where one woman said or had the comment made to her, you broke the family. And she said, no, I fixed it. That was my best friend, Carol. Yes. A brilliant woman. Love her. (laughs) And right on point to say, yes, somebody made a comment in some situation for her that about broken families and uh, meaning divorced parents, meaning single parents. And she said, excuse me, the marriage was divorced. The family or the marriage was broken. I fixed it. The family. We fixed it by leaving each other. We are fixing ourselves and moving on in a healthy way. And she said that in, with such self-awareness and self-love and self-power. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 because we have to take those belief systems, break them, which is what she did, reframe them and reword it because the words have to match that. Yeah. Our words are so important. So back to our pause button. It, it does so much for us. And what I want, wanted to point out, which we've, you and I have been doing, is that sometimes when we can't hit our own pause button, our, our friends try to hit it for us. Other people try. They might ask us questions. They might try to bring it to our attention, and we push it off. We stay where we want to, and it's not because we're always comfortable. 
It's because we are uncomfortable, but the fear won't let us move. We don't want to move into our fear. Mm -hmm. We don't even want to see it or recognize it, but it lives with us constantly. Mm -hmm. We have to work like buggers to ignore that level of fear. And so, as you've pointed out, it makes us sick. It makes us mentally sick. It makes us emotionally sick and it makes us physically sick. And it makes your kids sick. Oh my God, there's and a it whole makes your pets show. sick. Well, remember the show? I think, I can't remember what show we talked about when I said my friend Sharon, who was a psychiatric nurse and got lung cancer and died, said to me, well, it's about time I owned my own illness. It's about time I accepted my own cancer. I know what this represents in my life. And I understand why it's finally me. She had lost so many pets to cancer. That was her observation. That was her understanding. And her willingness to sit down and say, I have to accept something now. Mm-hmm. But boy, we, could, we can do a lot to avoid, to sabotage. And sometimes when we are sabotaging in all those different situations, we think we're sabotaging our own lives. But actually what we've done is we've sabotaged our children's lives. Everyone, everyone around us, because we can't deal with truth. That's right. We sabotaged our friendships because at some point those friends are going to get tired of us. And they will especially get tired of us if they move through their own fears. They will stay with us if they're in the same miserable relationships and we're a little group that just doesn't admit it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that's, that's the boat that's sinking with everybody sinking on it for the same reason, but thinking it's, it's okay to go down because we're going down together. That, and that's another kind of crazy making. Yeah. But I, I wanted to go to that sabotaging our children. And, and I think teachers who are listening must be like, come on, Karen, say it. And I will for every teacher listening. Those are the one, all those children that are in those homes are now students. And teachers have to sit there and try and motivate them. Mm-hmm. They have to try and teach these, these students, children, to listen. So how do, you, how do you listen to your teacher if there's all of that crazy making yeah. going on at home? You're scared. You're confused all the time. You don't assimilate facts That's and information right. properly. You get them jumbled up. Yes. And now you've got a teacher not understanding why she's doing or he's doing their best with a child in a classroom and they're not they're not meeting with success. And I don't just mean grading success. I mean depression. Social success. Every kind of success. Every kind. And that has to come right back down to hitting the pause button to figure out if you actually have any integrity in your life, if you even know what your intentions are. And if they're not honorable, you want the pension or you need the house or you need certain things, be honest about it. You might have to sit down and say to your partner, I, I need so much money to get by, but, I'm, but I don't need you anymore. So how do we manage it? And we need better legal systems than what we've got. Mm-hmm. Because let's face it, many lawyers are thieves. Oh, absolutely. They steal from those families. They take their ability away by taking too much in the system to get through the divorce, to I've, create another healthy environment for that family. 
I think that was perfectly said. And I know there will be lawyers out there that are going to hear this that say amen. Because I don't believe for a second that just because I attacked that profession, that every one of them is the same. Well, no, because not people don't get into the profession for the intention to take people's money. That's right. They get in because they're motivated by some type of law, whether it's human rights, whether it's relationships, because they've seen something go bad. We're motivated for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And then we're stuck in a system. Mm -hmm. We're stuck in a firm that has a policy. Yes. And, and a system that might say it has to go this way. And that's why I'm saying I think some lawyers will love hearing that. They will agree that that has to change. So that when, we, when a person or a couple are hitting a pause button, how are they supported? How does it happen so that they can both come out of it and begin and be healthy? And the crazy making can end so that those children actually have a healthy mental foundation and a healthy emotional foundation. And that's the fabric of a future. Yeah, that's when we say we have a fighting chance. Yes, that's when that is real hope, as opposed to false hope. Well, I think we did it justice today. Good. All right. So I'm gonna end. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you, first of all, Kelly, yeah, for sh- for sharing, and and um, um, for bringing all of that together. So if anybody has any questions or comments, they're very welcome to send them to us at info at bysarlo.com and we would uh, be happy to visit that and put out more information and respond to those emails in another show on Coffee with the Sarlos.